We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented to you by the Armchair Americans, officially episode 45 of the Spurs Up Show. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, joined as always by my co-host and colleague, Thomas Floyd. Uh, Before we get started, be sure to go online if you haven't done so yet. Uh, Not sure what you're doing, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet by far. Be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up Show uh, on iTunes, the Stitcher app. Really, wherever you consume your media, wherever you consume your podcast, you'll find us there. Be sure to check us out also on our social media accounts on Twitter at Armchair S Car, Instagram at Armchair S Carolina. And of course, please go to armchairallamericans.com for all your latest breaking Gamecock news and coverage. And of course, our podcast. So be sure to go check us out on all fronts there. So I want to welcome in again my co host, Thomas Floyd. Uh, We're going to jump right into it with this week in Tater News. Want to talk? Actually, I have a little switch up for you this week, Tom. I didn't even tell you. So I'm not going to really add as a segment, but something pretty hilarious happened to me this week that I really want to bring up and that I'm not sure if we'll make it as a segment, but um, I guess you can call it sort of the most peak off-season thing of the week that happened to me or that I did this week. And the most peak off-season thing of the week that happened to me this week, I got banned from a message board. And I have to say, I'm pretty damn proud of that. <laughs> if you any, if you follow me on my personal Twitter account, I finally, after being a member of this message board for 12 years uh, cocky talk. I finally have been banned forever. So that's pretty much it. And that's that. And we're not really going to dive into any reasoning or anything, but that that's pretty much it. So that after 12 years, it's, it's been, it was a good run. I mean, it's pretty hilarious that you're getting kicked off now of like any time, like, especially what you, the reason you got kicked off for, like, just, it just pisses me off to think about, like you were sharing quality content and then yeah. And they basically said, you go F yourself for it. Yeah, so for those that really want to know, I was basically going on there sharing the podcast in a forum or a thread type, whatever, if you will, whatever you want to call it. And basically, you know, I had I'd gotten permission from the moderators on the site before who actually said they enjoyed the show and enjoyed the content. And I think there were one or two bad apples that thought I was, quote unquote, spamming the site or just self-promoting, I guess. I mean- we post, we have one podcast a week. Like, it's not like we're having, it's not like we right. do a podcast every day and post it like eight times a day. No, like you post it once in a week. Like, it's fine. It's not a big deal to me. I don't, I don't understand it. But I mean, some people just like to be douchebags, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think now I'm kind of officially, like, I think, I feel like my fandom just went 
really to a whole new level. I mean, once you get banned from message board, that's like a little box to check off. So I, I've done it. I'm banned from cocky talk. We'll no longer be on. I'm not going to go back and create a new account. So uh, I thought about it to go on there and really just troll, but I'm not going to do it. Also, I uh, don't know how I didn't start the show by saying this, but Tom, we got 101 days to kick off. Uh, hundred days is tomorrow. We're going to kind of start breaking some stuff down, bringing some cool new content, probably with the, on the podcast more so next week. I want to make sure we take our time to, um, uh, make sure we're bringing the highest quality of content, but throughout our Twitter and social media accounts, we're definitely going to be posting every day, kind of counting down to kick off. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so kind of to get back to our normal segments. So this week in Tater News, Tom, I'll let you start. Uh, so Brad, Qua- Cro- Brad, I can't talk. Brad Crawford tweeted out today, uh, this morning that he said, I'm picking South Carolina to cover the 30 and a half in the opener versus coastal. I remember when fans were wary of the 2013 game versus the 10 and one shots and the Gamecocks on 70. Say what you want about opens historically, but this offense will have no issue lighting it up on September 1st. And Matt Tucker, I'm pretty sure he's responded to stuff we tweeted too because he's literally – Oh, yeah. Nothing, I've he, seen him before. He has nothing to do but sit on Twitter and tweet back at Carolina stuff. He tweeted, this is what happened. One, South Carolina was good in 2013. You're comparing apples to oranges. Two, no way a new offense coordinator shows off his playbook against CCU with UGA coming to town next week. Bet the house on CCU with the points. Okay. I think it's so ridiculous that this kid has nothing better to do with his time than go and troll or, like, just go and tweet back because he has no life, I'm assuming, because I've seen this guy, like, a thousand times on Twitter just saying stupid stuff. And I just – I don't think Carolina's going to cover the 30-and-a-half, and that's because – just because the last two years we haven't really beaten the crap out of, like, not good teams like we should have. But – I mean, I think with McClendon and the way the offense looked in the spring, they're gonna they have a lot better chance of beating them by fifty because Coastal also sucked last year compared to twenty thirteen. They were garbage, and we actually had a good year last year. But I just think it's so ridiculous that this guy has nothing better to do. Yeah, no, I would totally agree. I mean, it's very typical of a Clemson fan to kind of jump on like that and voice their opinion. And what, what was it Brad said? I mean, just it, for some reason on this app, it's become so common that yeah, Clemson, fan, Clemson fans respond to tweets of, that said, pertain to South Carolina. He said that, that would have nothing to do with Clemson at all. That's he becoming said, like a new hobby for them. His quote tweet of it was the amount of Clemson football fans who respond to tweets about South Carolina football remains one of my, one of the most puzzling things about this platform is true. It's ridiculous. Like yeah. it's absolutely insane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so my this week in Tater News for me uh, is Insiders. So basically there was a column that was put out by Sports Talk SC, uh, our friends over at Sports Talk, but basically a column written by a quote-unquote insider at Tiger Net, I believe it was, basically saying that, you know, with the Josh Belk saga, him transferring that South Carolina in some way, way, shape, or form, tampered with that situation, and I guess that – has something to do with his transfer transfer, or something to do with, you know, if he does go to South Carolina. So, um, you know, Internet Insider, somebody you've never heard of putting out an article like that, you know, it, it just – I think we're all insiders at this point. So I, I was actually going to tell you because, you know, Tom, you you replied to a uh, one of our followers this week about a recruiting question basically saying you weren't an insider. I was like, no, 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 everyone's an insider now. Yeah, so, if you know anything about anything, you're an insider. If you know anything, literally about anything, you're an insider. So – uh, and I don't know if you saw, but I put out a pretty hilarious tweet this week that basically, you know, an insider for Clemson's, t- you know, saying that South Carolina was messing with the Belk situation. And in other related news, there is a uh, high volume of salt found in the water up in Pickens County. So 
yeah, it, it seems like a little bit of saltiness. You know, definitely something. It, definitely something that you would find on a Clemson almost fan board, if you will, from an insider. So I, I learned a little bit about insiders this week. So well, the whole with the whole insider thing, where they all said that the entire reason that Belk was leaving because his with his family stuff and the homesteading stuff is now just going to be obviously be complete bull crap considering he's going visiting Tennessee, Georgia, and probably Alabama. So what? They just they just think that nothing's wrong with Clemson. That's the thing that just drives me insane. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty hilarious. Like I said, we had a ton of retweets and favorites on that tweet. And I mean it's yeah. just it's just absurd. The Josh Belk saga, you know, just continues to unfold. And I know that he actually met with, you know, I don't want to dive too much into it because I think we we broke it all down last week, but he actually yeah. met with Must Champ today. So we'll kind of have to see what you know, so, really yes. really what comes out of that. So um, anyways, overreaction of the week. I'll start off first. You know, it obviously is inching closer to football season, which has me thinking that Jake Bentley's going to leave the SEC in touchdown passes. Yep. He, with all the uh, shade that some will say we threw Jake Bentley a couple weeks ago, I think Bentley uh, has a good chance to be one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC under a new system. And Brian McClendon and Dan Werner, I think, being kind of the court, the new voice in his ear, being the quarterback guru. Um, you know, I think I know a lot of people will say Drew Locke, but I, I just I'm not 100% sold on Drew. I, I think he's definitely going to get his, but I think Drew Locke is more of a player that capitalizes on just terrible teams. Yeah. I mean, you look at last year in their opener, I think they beat like I don't know Missouri State or Northwest Missouri or something. That was their like 76 to 40 or something like that. And he yeah, threw like eight touchdown passes, and then the next week, South Carolina completely shuts them down, but. I think Jake Bentley, with all the weapons coming back, Debo, Brian Edwards, you know, Shai Smith, Ortray, um, Jacob August at tight end, Casey Crosby. I mean, he's just naming off the running back tandem as well. Um, I think if Bentley can take that next step, I think he's got a good chance he could, he could possibly lead the SEC in touchdown passes. So that's uh, that's going to be my my overreaction of the week. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see it, but <clears throat> just because I don't think they're going to, I think if. I think that they're going to have a good running game this year, so I don't see him having I don't see him having to lead the SEC in touchdown passes like Drew Locke has to do for Missouri, or they're not going to win a game. But my overreaction of the week is that either J.C. Horn or Israel Mukawamu, or however you say his name, is going to be all first team all freshman. And honestly, it just depends. Like Jameis Williams last year, or Jemias, whatever his name is, if how much they play. If both of the, if one of them can get a lot of playing time, then I think they have a good chance because. The only reason Jamias Williams got it last year is because he played so much. But yeah, I'll take one of those two for all freshman SEC. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good take too. I mean, Jamias Williams, he made some big plays last year. I mean, really he also got burned a lot. Yeah, I mean he did. Now he got exposed a little bit, but I mean I just remember coming to the top of my head. I mean, he had the huge pick in the uh Florida game. The big, big pick in the Mizzou game, and yeah, the pick to end the game in the Florida game. I mean, I remember vividly him getting burned a couple of times in that game. Oh, T. Higgins made him Eat the yeah. dirt one time against Clemson. Dude. Yeah, still gives me nightmares. Yeah, I mean he, you know, he, he played like a freshman, but you know, yeah. you know, he plus was T played, Higgins is six five and Jamais Williams is five eight. So yeah, the good news about hopefully JC Horn and both, you know, both JC Horn and Israel McCormick is they won't necessarily have to be thrown in. No, because not like quite as badly as Jamais Williams was. Because I think right now, like Nick Harvey and Rashad Fenton are projected to be the corners and the outside with Keyshawn Nixon in the slot. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I, I like that take. I, I think definitely one of them. I could see it. Um, all right, so yeah, let's move into some baseball. So the Gamecocks are in the SEC tournament. They finished up their regular season, taking two of three from the Texas A&M Aggies. You remember on the last show, 
Uh, we were coming to you a little bit later in the week, so it was after game one. South Carolina had lost to Texas A&M. Uh, they win the next two to win the series, really in kind of the same fashion they had done really to finish the season. They finished the season winning five straight SEC series. <clears throat> Gamecocks going to the SEC tournament last night, win game one against Missouri 4-2, to two, and I only watched two innings of it. Um, the start time was delayed until 11.30 p.m. last night. They try, you know, They're playing four games in a single day. Had a rain delay, lightning delay, had a game go to extra innings. Um, <clears throat> so the Gamecocks didn't get to start until 11 p.m., 11.30 p.m. Eastern time, 10.30 Central in Hoover, Alabama. Um, Gamecocks take on Arkansas tonight. We're recording this, obviously, live on Wednesday. Um, and by the time you hear this, it could be Wednesday or Thursday, whichever, whenever you listen to it. But anyways, Gamecocks are taking on Arkansas tonight. And, you know, Tom, it looks like it might be another late first pitch with – uh, there's slight, you know, early lightning delay this morning. I think they're saying the earliest the game's going to start now is 10 o'clock Eastern, Jeez. barring hopefully that there will be no extra innings tonight or today, whatever. Um, so, yeah, and it was actually just announced that South Carolina is going to start Logan Chapman tonight against Arkansas. Um, Carmen Majinski got the start last night against Missouri and actually threw really, really well. So, you know, a huge win for the Gamecocks, obviously able to get through the single elimination. You get the double elimination round now. Take on an Arkansas team that they lost two to two of three of in the regular season, but you know really had a chance to win the series. I don't know if you remember back to this time, but South Carolina in that series won the Thursday night game, or no, excuse me, the Friday night game. They won the Friday night. That was one of Logan Chapman's first starts. Um, they win that game. Had to play a doubleheader on Saturday, I think, due to weather that was projected on Sunday. You know, you have Adam Hill and uh, Cody Morris going on Saturday. Your best two arms and. I think South Carolina got shut out both games, two to nothing and three to nothing. Um, so, you know, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, again, I think, you know, Arkansas ranks seventh in the country right now, but a team that I think the Gamecocks have shown already they can handle with or can hang with. You know, the big, yeah, the biggest question to me, Tom, I mean, it's crazy to think, can, Sarah, can South Carolina realistically win this thing? Because in my opinion, if they can find a way to get through Arkansas tonight, I mean, you if you can get through those, you know, Arkansas tonight with – Logan Chapman on the Hill. I mean, you still have Adam Hill and you still got uh, Cody Morris, which you still think at this point are your two best arms. And the way they threw in the last weekend of the season has to make you feel good. So um, if the Gamecocks can continue to stay hot, swinging the bats, playing good defense, and, you know, again, can get this win tonight, I, th- I think it's going to set them up really good for the rest of the tournament. I mean, yeah, if they win tonight, I mean, you're looking at uh, who would they have to play after that? Probably like a Florida or a someone like that, one of the better teams of the SEC. But, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, the competition is going to be stout from here on I mean, out for sure. Yeah, it's going to be – I mean, it's going to be tough either way you look at it. But I think a win tonight would be big. I mean, is Chad Holbrook ever won back-to-back games at the SEC tournament? Like, I don't even – I can't remember the last time that happened, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I'm trying to look here at the bracket. Let's see. But if they won back-to-back games, yeah, I mean, no. that's huge. Like, can't, can't complain. So South Carolina would play the winner of game seven today, which is Florida LSU. So South Carolina would play the winner. So um, I mean, Florida's tough, though. <laughs> oh, Florida's uh, – yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, again, you think back that series, which it was the beginning of the year, teams have gotten – I think both of those teams have gotten a lot better. Or just there's a lot different dynamic with both those teams. But, I mean, South Carolina had Florida on the ropes. Granted, it was in Columbia, but, you know, the Gamecocks won, I think it was game two, and that, that series came down to the final game on Sunday. So – I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I just think from a pitching standpoint, I mean, the biggest question mark to me was, you know, does South Carolina realistically have the pitching depth? And I think you had to look at it and say, uh, probably not to make a run. Because, I mean, you you know, you think about it, Tom, you have to win. 
let's they've got to win. So they they've already won a game. Let's not even count that. When you got to win tonight, that's one, two. If you this is if you didn't lose a game, one, two, three, four. You have to win five in a row Ooh. to win the tournament, which is crazy. Yeah, which, not, which is absolutely deep, crazy. We don't really have a deep pitching staff either. So, no, that's, and that's what I'm saying. That that's why I think a lot of people said that the Gamecocks just the pitching staff. I, you know, because even if you know South Carolina wins tonight and you get through Adam Hill and Cody Morris, it's like who are you going to throw that next one? Are you going to go back to Majinski? Are you going to try to go with John Gilreath? Are you going to go Eddie Demurius, Ridge Chapman? I mean, you know, it, but you know, a deep run in the SEC tournament can only be good for South Carolina and improve their, you know. I don't know if their seeding is really going to improve in the postseason. I think they're pretty much pegged as the two a two seed in the regional right now. But um, I, I just think more so from a psyche and more so from a feel-good perspective from the fans to make a run in Hoover, a place where you've been so bad for so long, um, I think would go a long way for this this team's confidence and the fan base's confidence as well in the job that, you know, Mark Kingston is doing. You know, So it, it'll be interesting to see, again, the game tonight, Start slated to start at 10 o'clock Eastern. You know, that's hopeful. Hopefully that will start at 10 o'clock. We'll see. Uh, we'll be covering it all with you on armchair, at, you know, SCAR, all of our social media accounts. Check us out again. That, that, my apologies for last night. I literally was sitting there watching the game and just fell asleep in the second inning. So, I, you know, that game, that game, Tom, did not end until 2.38 a.m. last night. So I don't know that many were up watching it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I definitely was asleep. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll uh, we'll just see what happens. So, uh, moving over to basketball because some big news in basketball this week. Tom Chris Silver returning for his senior season. Thank God. Thank God. Um, you know, I think it's a huge. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You know, talk about what you think it means for you know, just moving forward for Frank Martin and the 2018-2019 you know Gamecocks team. I mean, he's a great player, especially if Bowen not come back. It was gonna be it was gonna be a tough year if we didn't have him and Bowen next year, but. Could be could make a run next year with him at the helm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think he's he's got a chance to be one of the best big men in the SEC, and not not just the SEC, but the country. And I definitely think he's got still got some stuff to work on too, because as good as he was last year, I mean, he still has spurts where I think he forgets what a foul is and he gets in serious serious foul trouble. So, you know, it, it I mean, will be he played organized basketball for what, like. No, that's a good point. I, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I understand that for sure. But uh, he's a huge, huge piece for the Gamecocks to get back because, like you said, Brian Bowen, the uncertainty of what he will do, uh, he has until May 30th to decide um, on his future. You know, I'll ask you, Tom, you know, if you were Brian Bowen or if you were advising Brian Bowen or if you're family to him or whatever, I mean, do you really – I mean, do, what what do, what do you think he should do? I mean, because it, it is a tough decision because, I mean, if you come back, and you're deemed ineligible, you just have to sit out another year of no basketball. On the other side, if you go to the draft and you're you're not going to be as high as a pick as you would be if you played a year and showed scouts something on you know in competitive games on the floor. Uh, but on the flip side of that, you have to go sit in the G League for a year and not make but I, I mean like thirty thousand dollars your first year. So I mean, you know what what would you? I mean what what do you? I can't even imagine what's going on in that kid's head right now. No, I mean, I guess it just really – for me, it would depend on what scouts are telling him. Because the scouts are telling him he can be – because with the combat stuff and with him, I guess, doing private workouts. If he, if he can be like a top 25 pick, then I would go to the NBA because there's just no point in waiting another waiting another year. But if they're telling him they, just, they need to see him in college for a year, then 
I, I go with that, especially. But I mean, if then if he's declared ineligible, it just kind of bites you back in the butt. But yeah, yeah. honestly, if I'm him and I get declared ineligible, I just go overseas for a year and play, and then come back over. Like, well, here's the thing. I mean, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think Frank Martin knew the risk he was taking when they brought the kid in. I mean, be, let's be realistic. I mean, he knew oh, yeah. this was something that could have happened. So. I don't know. I mean, if I if I had to put you know if I was gambling on it, I had to put my money on what he'll do. I, I think he'll come back. I mean, I just think he has to play. I mean, he has to play a little bit. You know, even if he's suspended for half the season, if something crazy happens and they want to suspend him, I mean, him playing some competitive basketball at the SEC level and kind of showing what he can do, I think is better than nothing. So. I don't know. We'll see. And I think, you know, he came from what I've heard from people, you know, he wanted to come to South Carolina. He likes being there. I, you know, obviously, you know, Frank Martin can be a tough coach, but I think, you know, if you talk to or look at any of the basketball players that have come through South Carolina that have went on to be successful at, it seems like every one of them, you know, relate back to Frank Martin had a huge impact on them and made them a much better basketball player. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see again, it will be a very, very interesting saga. I mean, that's going to be coming up in the next week. So we're going to have all the coverage of that for you as well. And, It'll be interesting to see what he decides. Um, so, yeah, let's move to some football. Again, 101 days to kick off, Tom. Um, you know, it's also – it's preseason magazine season. Um, Athlon, Lindy's, some of the other ones are out. I- I'll be honest with you, man. I am a big Phil Steele fan, and I always waited out to buy that one. Um, I-, I was at Walmart the other day looking, you know, kind of uh, – kind of cheating, taking a peek at the Athlon magazine without buying it. So, you know, whatever. But was <laughs> was standing in Walmart, re- glancing through, reading through a little bit. Um, but before we get to that, you were talking about this earlier, and I didn't have it, you know, I didn't have it included before the show, but I do want to talk about it a little bit. You know, the point spread came out this week. Gamecocks are a 30-and-a-half point favorite over Coastal Carolina in week one in Williams-Brice. Um, that game time to be determined. But 30 and a half points. I, I'm not sure I can remember the last time South Carolina was that big of a favorite over a team. Um, I'll ask you, Tom, do you think the 30 and a half is too much? You've already said you don't think they'll cover. Do you think it's too much? I mean, I just think it's a little bit. I think they could, it's probably going to be something like 40 to 21, but I just don't <laughs> think they're going to be, I don't think they're going to be any, they're not like, we don't have the kind of team that's, I guess, built to beat people by. 35, 30 and a half points. I just, I just don't see it. I could be really wrong, but I don't see it in the cards. Yeah, I will say, I mean, as much as I hated that Clemson guy that tweeted at Brad Crawford, I, I think the Gamecocks could definitely cover. I mean, it just depends on I think they know, could. how, how it, I think it depends more so on the defense and the offense. Because, I mean, I think the offense is going to have the speed and the athletes to out, you know, really outplay Coastal and just out athlete them, if you will. But, you know, how, how does the defense you perform? I mean, how, you know, if South Carolina's defense is able to really shut down Coastal Carolina and hold them to three, ten points, I mean, I, I think a 30-and-a-half point, you know, spread is is reasonable. I, I think more so – I would have put the spread more so at like 25, 26, 26-and-a-half, something like that. Um, I, I could maybe see a four-touchdown game. But, yeah, I mean, it's – if you were asking me right now, you know, you got to put money on one side or the other – who you putting it on? I'm putting it on plus thirty and a half because I just there's just no way I can I can I don't want to say trust this team, but there's just no no way that I think South Carolina, like you said, is going to come out in the first game of of the season with Georgia looming in week two and put up a fifty spot. I mean, it's just you know, I mean that'd be great. Don't get me wrong. No, I and again, you know, 
some people were saying on Twitter again, I, I think that it's reasonable to, I, I don't know what Will Muschamp's philosophy is going to be. Is he going to try to save anything for Georgia? Or, you know, we always heard Spurrier was saving something for that week two game, but you have to believe they're not going to throw out the entire, like you said, they're not going to throw out the entire deck against Coastal Carolina. So it's interesting, though. Huge, huge point spread. I mean, the guys in Vegas definitely think, and they're normally right. So, I, you know, I guess we'll have to see. But it seems like a lot of points. Um, you know, again, we we're talking about preseason back season. So getting back to that, Athlon did list seven Gamecocks in their all-SEC preseason team. I'll go through these really quickly. Uh, Debo Samuel is a wide receiver kick returner on the first team. Uh, three guys on the second team, offensive lineman Zach Bailey, linebacker T.J. Brunson, and punter Joseph Charlton. Um, two guys on the third team, All-SEC, defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw and defensive end D.J. Wanham. And finally, on the fourth team, All-SEC cornerback Rashad Fenton. Tom, anybody on that list you think should have been lower, higher, and anybody you think that got snubbed or left off that you would have put on there? Uh, I think D.J. Wanham should have definitely been second team, considering the stats he put up last year. I think he would like – led the SEC in tackles for loss until the last week of the year. But, I mean, it's a pretty f- fair list. I think Bentley got kind of snubbed, maybe. But the way he played last year, he's he's probably the fourth or fifth quarterback in the SEC. But Who who do they have for their I, – I didn't look at this. I don't even know. I wonder who they had for their fourth team. Okay, you got to think. First team's probably – Drew Locke. They're probably going to put two. You think Tua's in the second team, maybe? I think he – I mean, everybody's been sucking Tua's something because of his game, <laughs> half a game against Georgia, which yeah. I get to a point. But I'm like, the kid has played a half a game. Like, it's just so hard to, like, agree with that. But I would say yeah, Tua's probably third team. I don't know who they would have fourth team. Jay maybe Palmer, Drew Locke. Maybe Drew Locke. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe Drew Locke. I'm trying to look, see – who, I'm trying to find the All-SEC teams that I keep just seeing these articles with just uh, – let's see. SC, okay, here we go. SEC Football 2018 All-Conference Team Athlon Sports. There's a picture of Tua literally when you open the article. So, I'm going to so say he's, he's on one of the teams. Yeah. First team offense, Tua. Wow. So they're, here we go. First team offensive quarterback is Tua. Second team, Drew Locke. Third team, Jarrett Stidham. Fourth team, Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, I forgot about Stidham. I mean, I, I can't – I can't like argue that Jake Bentley should be in the top four there, but I agree that to having, I, I agree with you that the, I mean, I know he's a good player, obviously, but the, the height for Tua is insane. The fact he's, he played 30 meaningful minutes. And he could come out and just crap his pants and like just not play. The and, he, and it's like, he did have a bad pick and took a sack on first down in the, in the, yeah. He played like a freshman. He, he did. He did. So, um, Looking through, I'm just kind of trying to see now the uh, very, I mean, you got to love it. Very high praise for Debo being a first team all SEC wide receiver. I mean, again, I think him being healthy, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think he can be there. It's just, yeah, he's elite. He's an elite player. Um, you know, Zach Bailey getting second team. Andrew Thomas from Georgia got first team over him. I mean, it's flip a coin, I guess. You can kind of argue yeah. either way. Um, that was pretty good. I think he's going to show out this year at guard, too. Yeah, I definitely think looking at defense, I definitely think Javon Kinlaw is going to be a guy that is an All SEC guy. He he's going to be a monster this year. I mean, I I just think of him with like another year of conditioning and strength training. I mean, he was already huge, and you see those pictures of him on Instagram, like with his shirt off and stuff. I mean, he's a monster. Yeah, I would, I would, I would not want to block him. No, I would not want to have to block him. 
Um, I mean, other than that, though, I mean, not a ton of other arguments, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the media says about the, I'm very intrigued to see actually what the media says about the all-conference teams, especially a quarterback. I mean, yeah, I, I think Jake Bentley's just going to need another year. He's going to have to take the next step. I just think he was a little too inconsistent last year. I mean, again, I think we said this before, and it's, God forbid somebody, you know, says we're knocking Jake Bentley, but his numbers last year were Blake Mitchell-esque, in my opinion. I think they really were. I mean, as much as people don't want to hear it, they were very Blake Mitchell-esque. So a lot of touchdowns, with a pretty good number of picks. So He played like – he played like an average quarterback. Like. Yeah, and again, again, that was under a Kurt Roper system, a system that was very predictable play calling, was no rhythm, no tempo. That's going to be a lot different this year. So this is a big year for him. We're going to see. Um, anyways, moving on, more stuff, Athlon. So, you know, I've been obviously getting all the football, you know, talk I can get, all the football, you know. This is kind of, again, the offseason, Tom. You just, you're, you're looking for any football coverage conversation, kind of getting in the conversation. Um, Athlon has a podcast called Cover 2. Um, basically said the Gamecocks, uh, they were talking about their most underrated, overrated teams or overhyped, if you will. They mentioned the Gamecocks as being the most overhyped team in the SEC this year. They thought they were overhyped for saying they were going to finish second and challenge Georgia for the East. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean – like, I disagree because I'm a fan, but I can objectively see where they get that from considering how good everyone thinks South Carolina is going to be next year. And South Carolina did have a lot of close games, and they didn't dominate Florida and Tennessee the way they should have. But, again, it's under a cover-up offense. And I think with McClendon being the, the offense coordinator this year, they're not. it's not going to be nearly the same thing, and I think they're going to be putting up, putting up a lot more points. Like, we held Tennessee to nine and almost lost because we couldn't. we just couldn't score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is a little scary, um, <clears throat> you know, just because I remember specifically being on our podcast and, you know, writing our articles talking about how good we thought – how good I thought the offense was going to be. I mean, I thought the offense was going to be clicking on all cylinders, scoring yeah, 30 a game. I mean, after the – and, you know, granted, a little unfair, again, the two factors, the Kurt Roper effect, but also when, when Devo Samuel goes down in week, what, two, three of the season, three. I mean – yeah, it goes down week three of the season. I mean, that completely changes your offense. So, yeah, um, if he can stay healthy for the entire year, God, God forbid, knock on wood. Um, I mean, it's going to change that South Carolina offense. I tell you, the team that I don't understand, Tyler or uh, Tom, that's getting a ton of love is um, the Florida Gators. They they yeah, are getting a it. ton of love from people. You know, basically just saying, you know, Dan Mullen's going to turn them around sooner rather than later. You know that. You know, they're, they're going to be the biggest challenger to Georgia. I mean, they, they, they don't have a quarterback. No. Who, who's going to play quarterback for them? Like, And they're losing all the defense players they had that were off of Muschamp's teams that were just straight yeah. goons. Like, I mean – Okay, well, my most overrated team is Georgia because I just I just don't think they're going to be as good as everyone acts like, but I don't know. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I somebody actually I think heard – I think I heard somebody actually say that in the sense that, I mean, are they really going to be that – great again i mean i mean i know georgia's they, they they should be the pick to win the east and they maybe should be the pick to win the sec but i i'm intrigued i i am very 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 intrigued to see how jake Fromm does this year because you know last year again he, he played fantastic as a freshman he didn't play like a freshman but he was able to lean on nick chubb sony michelle that running game some other playmakers around him and, you know, we've all heard of the sophomore slump. We've all heard of that. Um, you know, is it something that's going to affect Jake Fromm? And then having 
this kid behind you now, Justin Fields, you know, pushing you and people are maybe saying he should be playing, he should be starting. You know, I heard, you know, I, I talked to you, Tom, and some other people in our armchair network this week. I mean, I, I heard um, some people that, you know, have talked to Kirby Smart and know Kirby Smart and basically Kirby saying that uh, Justin Fields' dad has been on him about playing his son and they, you know, they, they're worried about if they don't play Justin Fields enough that he's going to want to transfer because that's becoming a huge thing, you know, guys transferring or whatever. So, I mean, how is that dynamic going to factor in, you know, just from talking to some Georgia, you know, fans and uh, people this, this these past couple of weeks? I mean, I, I've sure have told them, and I really believe this, I think the only thing that's going to stop Georgia from winning the SEC again is themselves because, you know, I, I heard a couple of fans talking about, well, you know, what happens if the first – you know, because I think they play some some – lower level team similar to how South Carolina plays their first game. Anyways, basically saying, you know, what if Georgia goes out and Jake from the offense go three and out three straight drives. And then Justin Fields comes in and, you know, throws a touchdown pass or, you know, goes down and scores a touchdown. And they, you know, do you take him out or leave him in? Like, who do you start week two? I'm like that scenario you were talking about is literally the best case scenario in all Gamecock fans mind. Like that yeah, would be the back. perfect storm like the last thing Georgia needs is a quarterback controversy coming into Columbia week two. I mean, it's just, you know, and so I, I don't know. I'm intrigued to see how it's all going to work out, how the dynamics going to work out again. Georgia lost a ton on defense, but I, again, going back to Florida, I just think to, to go ahead and I know Dan Mullen's a good coach, but I mean, you got to have a quarterback. I mean, Felipe Franks, is he the answer? I mean, no, their quarterbacks just, are pretty just terrible. I'll be, I'll be sh- Shocked. I, I will be floored if Florida finishes ahead in the SEC East, ahead of South Carolina. Yeah, I will be too. And it's be. not even coming from a homer perspective. It's it's coming from a perspective of I watched those two teams play on the field last season in person and saw just how bad Florida was. And, I mean, I understand they had Jim McElwain, but that team was bad. And that was a game South Carolina did not play very good in. And South Carolina still really just took care of business. I mean, so – yeah, I mean, I don't think Georgia's going to be that good because you lose Roquan Smith and you lose Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, who's all been at that school for the, a thousand years. It seems like I just I just don't get how, and I, I get they had a great freshman, uh, a great recruiting class. I mean, but those kids, you don't replace Roquan Smith, you don't, and it's just I just don't get it. And then it's just when Mullen. you lose a when you lose a player of that quality, when you lose guys of that quality, you're going to feel it. Yeah, I don't care what team you are or how good your freshman coming to Here, Here's the thing. South Carolina, they, they've got some really talented guys at linebacker. They've got Rosendo Lewis. They've got TJ Brunson. They've got uh, Sherrod Green. They've got, you know, uh, uh, El- Eldridge Thompson. They, they, they've got a bunch of other guys. they got a bunch of guys. But you're going to feel the effects of losing Scott Moore. I just don't care who you have, at least for a couple of games, maybe for a season, you know, you, you Whenever you lose a player, you know, I, I heard, again, Georgia fans saying that, you know, we, we reload at running back, you know, look at this kid. That I'm like, I understand that. But the type of players that Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle were in the big-time moments, you're going to miss those guys. Like, you just are. I think yeah, it's just a fact. given. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, again, uh, it's, I don't really get all the love Florida's getting. And I don't know. To call the Gamecocks overhyped, I mean, it's not like anybody's saying they're going to win the SEC. They're just saying they're going to give Georgia a challenge. I mean, I don't think that's – I mean, Georgia – South Carolina gave Georgia a game in Athens last year. Yeah, so, I mean, and, you know, it's not like it's outlandish to think that, you know, some people are acting like that to say that that game's going to be close in week two is outlandish. I mean, it's going to be a, a game in Columbia. Good, good chance it's going to be a night game. I mean, 
That's going to be a very hard game. That may be Georgia's toughest game of the season. Yeah, so. it could be. I mean, you look at it last year, and there were a couple. I think when was it their first touchdown? I think DJ Wanham got held extremely bad, and it was like a sweep. Oh God, and, yeah, oh, yeah. My God, and yeah, you could you could just tell from that point on the rest were just gonna. They were not gonna let Georgia win that game. I mean, that game was seven seven and a half. Yeah, I mean that that was you know that that was no. Uh, I mean. Granted, watching it, you didn't really ever feel like South Carolina was in control of that game or, you know, whatever. But, I mean, a lot of people forget that game, too. I mean, Georgia, I thought, came in that game a little shook. I mean, do you remember the very first uh, – they tried the onside kick to start the game? And, I mean, South Carolina, God forbid, if they had an offense with a pulse, you know, you drive down the field, score a touchdown, or even get a field goal. God forbid a field goal there. Um, the momentum completely shifts. But South Carolina, unable to do anything, the Kurt Rober conservative offense – you know, I think they went three and out or kicked a field goal and missed. And, I mean, you could just feel the the air come out, you know, deflate yeah. out of the balloon basically with South Carolina. But, anyways, I, I don't know. I, I just – I think that's going to be a very, very tight game. And I, I would 100% say that South Carolina's the biggest challenger to Georgia right now in the SEC East. I, I'm just not jumping on the Florida train right now. I mean, Dan Mullen's a good coach. I think he'll eventually get Florida turned around. But they've got a lot of stuff to work out. Yeah, they do. It's going to be – it's going to take a while. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's pretty much going to wrap us up. A little post-show for you because some stuff's been happening this week. And I kind of want to touch on it, Tom, a little bit. Um, Some big news this week is SEC country, diehards, and land of 10 are no more. I don't know if you saw that, Tom. We've been talking about it a little bit in our uh, armchair Slack channel or whatever. But, you know, huge, huge news. So, I mean, SEC country, SC, you know, I honestly – Tom would love to get Hale uh, Hale McGranahan. I think he's that's great. He's great. He does yeah, a really good job. Yeah, he's great at what he does. I, I don't know if he listens to this show, but Hale, if you'd like to come on the show, I'm probably going to reach out to him anyways. But yeah, would love to get him on the show and kind of get his thoughts and see exactly what happened. And those, again, like you said, those are guys they always give great coverage, always bring, especially really good recruiting coverage. Um, yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see anything anything new this week. I guess you're not in school anymore. So no, I I'm guess done. now you're just, just sitting around waiting for college football now. Pretty much that and working, doing big things. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, again, that's pretty much going to wrap us up. Not much not much to talk about in the post show. Stay tuned. We're going to have, again, a ton of stuff coming. Uh, tomorrow is officially 100 days to kick off, 100 days of Gamecock football being back. So, obviously, everyone's excited. Um, I think we're going to be doing a – I don't think. I know we're going to be doing a lot of off-season content, a lot of stuff to get us ready for college football. Uh, because again, you know, June's going to be, you know, baseball season's going on, but as far as football is concerned, you know, July is going to hit SEC media days, August, bam, we're in a fall practice. And from there, you know, kickoffs around the corner. So um, be sure to stay tuned again, follow us on our social media handles, Twitter at armchair S car, Instagram at armchair S Carolina, um, Facebook armchair South Carolina as well. And again, always check us out on armchairamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Um, so with that being said, I think we're wrapped up here. So for Thomas Floyd, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch you next time.